What's up everyone and welcome to episode 158 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and explore their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am sweating my balls off as I sit here in my room in the UK. Uh, the last couple of days, <coughs> excuse me, the last couple of days here have just been insanely hot um, and being a ginger fellow, that is not something I do very well with whatsoever when it's this hot but and also sitting in a boiling room editing this together is not the one right now but we're getting through it we're getting this podcast up for you another week as always um and apart from that I've been doing all right I went to the beach this weekend which was lovely uh been doing some writing pieces which is nice to kind of get back in the flow of that so hopefully I'll be able to share some of those pieces with you very soon um but yeah nothing massive to report as we go through another week with the world still being a little bit weird even though places kind of seem to be returning to some sense of normality now um but i think for me personally until we see sort of live gigs and stuff back i know there have been some around the world but like in terms of sort of like the punk diy world it's not going to be the same for me yet and like traveling around but We'll see how things go and we'll see where where things open up, I guess. Um, as always, I'd like to say at the top of the show, massive thank you to everyone who checked out last week's episode with Zen. Um, seemed like a lot of the Mass fans were really kind of interested in what he had to say about the band and where obviously they've been and what they could potentially be doing in the future. Um, regular listeners of the show will also be getting probably pretty bored of hearing me say this, but... If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. It really, really does help. I know every podcast you probably listen to says it, and there's a reason why. Um, and if you want to support us any further, then please visit the Patreon page. It's patreon.com, Justin Insight Podcast, or forward slash Justin Insight Podcast, I should say. Um, we'll be putting the link in the description as always. Um, right, let's get on to our guest and this week i am joined by a dear dear friend of mine drummer of katie and Komarov, los clark uh i've known los for a number of years now and he's been someone that i wanted to get on the show for for a while um but things just never really lined up so we thought whilst lockdown was kind of still going on um and mentioned in the beginning of the chat before we moved to london got some time to to get on the phone with him and have a little chat so yeah it's really kind of nice to to get catch up with Loz as well and the reason I wanted to kind of have him on is we've both had sort of similar journeys through sort of like the DIY world and I just kind of wanted to get Loz's perspective on that sort of thing. Um, a little caveat for some reason when I was recording this the sound was absolutely fine and then when I opened up the file to edit it there's periods where for some reason Loz's audio drops out I have no idea why and my knowledge of these things is quite limited, so I do apologise if the audio is not the best as it has been in the past, but I don't think it detracts from the conversation, and this is a really good one and a really fun one. As I say, it was really nice to, to catch up with Loz. Um, we talk about him kind of finding a home in the Bournemouth DIY scene, him putting on shows himself, uh, what it was like being sort of a tour manager and tour driver for, for a period of time in his life, and how things are now changing up with KD uh, in terms of kind of like member changes and sort of change the direction of where that band is going. So yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Loz, and I'll see you on the other side. 
Cool, right. Uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is KD Drummer and all-round shit cunt Loz Clark. Uh, Loz, how are you doing? How's how's Leeds? How's lockdown? Hi, Tim. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, Leeds is fine. Quite rainy. Lockdown fine. Quite bored. Um, that's, yeah, pretty much the same boat as everyone, I think. Either bored or broke yeah. or both. So. Well, because... Last time we spoke, you were about to move to London. So yeah. what's kind of happened with that? Has that all been put on hold? Yeah, well, we're going, giving it another punt next week. So, okay, yeah, yeah. second time lucky, hopefully. But yeah, like, moved down, so, moved down for a week and then lockdown happened and my job were just, my new job was just like, don't come in for a bit. So I thought, uh, okay, back to Leeds, don't have to pay any rent, save a bit of money. Oh, um, that's all right then. Yeah, yeah. So I've been here for the last four months. Thought it was going to be like a couple of weeks. And then back down for <laughs> four months. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was the case for a lot of people. They were like, "Oh yeah, I'll blow over in a couple of weeks," yeah, yeah. and here, here we are, four months later. Yeah, but... yeah. It's like I'm, I've been yeah. furloughed. I can't really complain. I did a week's work at this new job, and then I've been paid for four months, so I can't really grumble too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. So, like, what have you have you have you guys sorted a place down there, or yeah, yeah, in the uh, in lovely Penn. London. Oh, very. So, yeah. so, so, what is that? Just kind of waiting for you when you yeah, decide yeah. to go back, kind of. Yeah, thing? yeah, it's going to be ready for us whenever. So, moving next week now. So, I've got that. Oh, very Finally, nice. something to do after four months of major inactivity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what will it be? You kind of going straight back into work? Or no, I don't think have so. You've got like a settling down period. Hopefully, you won't need to go back for a bit. So, just have to. Oh, wait okay. And see. So, yeah, just want to get like settled, and now that things are loosening up a bit, I can actually like see people and do so before we get down there yeah. and you know see the people we're moving to being there in the first place so oh, that's yeah. cool. how are you doing anyway how's well, how's lockdown been treating you to be fair like the first couple of like weeks months and whatever weren't too bad like i was a bit mental like panicking because of like work stuff because yeah, well, like you picked a pretty bad time to start being self-employed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll probably get into that in a bit more detail later down the line. But so I was yeah. like a bit manic over that, but thankfully managed to get like just a shitty night shift job at a supermarket. Oh, okay. So like I can't complain too much because it's, yeah, yeah. it's an income. But the last couple of weeks, I have most definitely been starting to feel it and like. I've started a sort of like crawl off the walls kind of thing going a little bit insane yeah, yeah. because like as much as I have like friends in Portsmouth, like they're not people I hang out with like on a regular basis. Whereas Got you. like the majority of my like really close knit friends are either in Bristol or in Brighton and like yeah, yeah. traveling's not ideal at the moment sort of thing. So no, yeah, I get what you mean. But I'm still alive, so that's that's the main thing. Yeah. Still alive, haven't starved to death. Yeah, exactly. So, can't really complain. Exactly. Yeah. Well, fair enough. We won't stick around on the old Rona for too long. Like the whole reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone's bored as fuck of it. Exactly. So the whole reason I got you on here was to talk about you and your your lovely musical life and career, in quotes. Um, <laughs> Escapades. Yeah, yeah. But how I always kind of like to start this is like, what got you into alternative music in the first place? What was your kind of first introduction to it? Uh, well, like growing up, I was 
more into like metal stuff yeah than you know just sort of like whatever i read in kerrang and metal hammer and stuff rather than actual like diy or like alternative music but then like when i moved out of my, my parents when i was 18 like moved to bournemouth and then went to a couple of gigs at ibar and just saw like our first diy bands or whatever and like punk bands yeah yeah i was like oh this is sick like you can go to a gig and you can actually talk to the people in the bands and you can be a part of it rather than just being like an observer yeah yeah so yeah like yeah i'm just sort of like, like oh I, I can do whatever i want now i can <laughs> yeah. meet all these interesting people and go to a, go to gigs like five times a week or whatever um but yeah just sort of then really and then we're seeing bands like into the dust and senator and stuff like that yeah yeah down at ibar and then sort of traveling to shows in brighton and portsmouth and london and stuff so yeah it's around then really but so like who can't did anyone kind of put you on to sort of like the initial like when as you say like reading like about bands in kerrang and stuff did anyone like initially kind of put you onto that or was it just something that you naturally kind of gravitated towards um, a bit of both. It was just, you know, like when you're a kid, you just do whatever your mates do. Yeah. So like I've still, you know, just all my, you know, all my friends were getting into that sort of thing. And I was like, oh, I'll see what this is about. I want to see what all the cool <laughs> kids are listening to. <laughs> so, oh my God, they're listening to System of a Down and Slayer. This is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, just got got into sort of more alternative music that way, really. Yeah. So, like you said, kind of, because did you grow up like in and around Bournemouth? No, no, I grew up um, near Peterborough. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Moved to moved to Bournemouth to study. Right. Okay. So it wasn't wasn't like a big DIY scene. Yeah, yeah. Around Peterborough. So <laughs> there's like one venue. But were were you going to any like gigs or anything before then? Like, um, I was going to like bigger gigs and then like you know like school gigs and stuff and like friends from colleges bands and stuff. Yeah. Um. I was in a I was in a sick metal band called Amore Morte. Nice. Which was just like <laughs> Yeah, it was just like really bad, like trying to be like technical death metal, but none of us were any good at our instruments, <laughs> so it was just shockingly bad. <laughs> so yeah, just like playing gigs in like rugby clubs and stuff in like rural Northamptonshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, nothing nothing too fun. And then like going to bigger gigs like I don't know, saw like Ed and you know, stuff like that when they came to like london or you know nottingham or anywhere yeah. close enough to get to so you were always kind of like traveling to, to like go to shows like especially when you were like younger yeah, yeah just whatever my dad had put up with driving me to <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah pretty much so like we'll we'll get on to like you moving to to bournemouth in a minute but like and you mentioned they're playing in a in a rad metal band when you were younger sort of thing <laughs> and like obviously, I know you as this fucking gnarly screamo drummer that you are today, sort of thing. But obviously, we've known each other for for years anyway. But like, yeah, yeah. when you kind of like st- started like dabbling in playing music yourself, like was it drums that you were always kind of drawn to, or did you sort of play, start with something else and then gradually move on to drums? No, no. I only ever played drums. Like I just, yeah, like I just was like, I want a drum kit for my birthday one year. Yeah. And got a drum kit and I was like, oh, well, I'll just play this now. So it's just, grew up, grew up in like a tiny village in the middle of nowhere. And my mate Fred got a guitar and I got a drum kit. So we just started a band. Yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah, just always played drums really. And then like now I think, oh, it's like I can actually 
sort of play drums now. If I start playing <laughs> someone else, I'll feel like a total beginner again. I'll be really frustrated. Yeah, yeah. But was there anything that like yeah. drew you to drums? Like, what, was there a reason why you wanted to kind of pick it up? Uh, I t- just thought it looked fun. <laughs> just hitting stuff, isn't it? What's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, just like I had a few lessons when I was younger and I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty, pretty fun. You just get to make loads of racket yeah. and piss your mum off. What more could you ask for from an <laughs> instrument? <laughs> so like, yeah, watch it. was it like something that, as you say, like your mate, kind of you and your mates still decide about, but was it something that you were always drawn to? Like, I guess as soon as you were kind of introduced to music that you automatically wanted to start playing yourself sort of thing. Yeah, pretty much. It was like, that looks really fun. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. And like, you know, when you're younger and you're like, oh, I'm going to be in this big metal band and I'm going to get a play to like hundreds of people and it's going to be sick. I'm going to be a rock star kind of thing. And then <laughs> yeah. you grow up and you're like, oh, well, I can play, to, if I'm lucky, I'll play to like 20 people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. And like, did you have, because obviously, like, as you said, it was kind of just the idea of sort of like hitting stuff and making a, a loud noise and whatever, but yeah, were, yeah, were there kind of like any drummers that you like were drawn to and like inspired by at all? Or was it just the fact that you thought it looked like an, a fun instrument to play? Um, it's just like all the drummers in like all the metal bands I was listening to at the time. So I was like Joey Jordanson, Lars Ulrich, mm. like sickest legends ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's like the only scope i had where it was just you know bands i liked kind of thing rather than being like oh the drum from that band's amazing yeah like i want to i want to sound like that i was just like yeah i just want to be in a bad metal band <laughs> so so then in terms of, of like your kind of musical tastes like moving i guess more aligned to sort of what people kind of associate you with now like the whole sort of screamo yeah. scene and stuff like, did you start, start start getting into that when you moved to Bournemouth or were you kind of introduced to that a little bit earlier? Like, where did that kind of all come into it? Um, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's more or less like around the time I started seeing like proper DIY bands and I was like, oh, you know, it doesn't have, I mean, you know, I was into more diverse stuff before then. You're like, you know, you grow out of just listening to metal. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah, more interested in, I don't know, like some more experimental stuff and like more like math rocky stuff. Um they yeah they're like just when i was like 18 19 i was listening to like almost exclusively ropey screamo <laughs> <laughs> and that was like 12 years ago and not much has changed yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's just like seeing all the bands like at ibar and bournemouth and like traveling to different parts of the country to see bands was like made me realize that there was more to like heavy music than just like just metal yeah like, yeah you know just punk and stuff because i mean look, the stuff I play now, like KD and Komarov in particular, it's like it's still pretty heavy. It's like on the heavier end of screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, which isn't necessarily because that's like, I mean, I do listen to that stuff more, but it's more just because it's more fun to play. Because it's like you just get to hit stuff really hard and fast <laughs> for a bit. <laughs> and like, when you were sort of like discovering that sort of like screamo kind of side of things, was there like any particular bands that? guess when you were first sort of discovering it that you were like oh that's the sound i like like this is what i what i'm really digging yeah, yeah. was there like one particular band that you really gravitated towards um i guess it was just stuff like i know like all the all the bigger you know historic screen bands like orchid and page 99 and city of caterpillar and yeah yeah stuff like that but then like started seeing bands like maths and 
you know, that sort of edge, end of things playing like around the UK. I was like, that's sick. Yeah. And Matt yeah. still like still listens to that band all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw them, like, saw them a few times like yeah, a long time ago. Saw them in a really crap pub in Cambridge once with uh Tube Lord, weirdly. Oh weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, who else was it? So I'm just letting the cat out. I told you he'd start being annoying the minute we started recording stuff. We're also seeing with tall ships, yeah, tall ships, tube lord and maths in like the back room of a pub in Cambridge. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, and then I saw Alfie from maths. I was like, fuck, that's like, yeah, that's yeah. what screw my drop shift did. I, I remember like, because I had, so I'd heard the split that they did with Throats and then obviously... Oh, that's such a good split. Yeah, and then obviously like Descent came out and I, so this <laughs> was when I was first putting on shows like, when I was still at uni, so this was in Kingston. Um, And it was kind of part of their, like, record release run. Um, And it was them, Gyrus, and someone else. I can't remember who the fuck else it was. But, yeah, same thing. Like, just watching, like, a 17-year-old Alfie just absolutely shred. I'm like, "Eh?" (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you remember just watching them and being like, ah, what have I been doing for the last however many years? <laughs> <laughs> Still to this day, any time I see them play, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. So then in terms of you actually like playing in, in bands, like were you kind of like doing sort of much before you kind of moved down to, like you mentioned that metal band, were there, but was there anything else kind of yeah. before you moved down to Bournemouth? Nah, not really. I mean, that was that was. I think we played probably four or five gigs ever, and it was all like village face yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Because <laughs> there wasn't, you know, much around there, and it was more just to like just hang out and make music than actually like you know play gigs and tour and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like just yeah. That was like yeah. When I moved to Bournemouth was when I was well, even like a couple of years after that was when I was first like, oh, I can use this to meet new people and travel about a bit and stuff like that yeah so like in terms of coming down to Bournemouth like you said obviously to come to study but was there any particular reason why you chose like Bournemouth at all nah it was just like a good course and had really low entry requirements (laughs) 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 that was pretty much it It yeah I was like I could probably get on that yeah um I'd never even been to Bournemouth before okay um so yeah, that was it. I was like, yeah, seems like a nice enough place by the sea. What more could you ask? Yeah, for? yeah. And like you mentioned, obviously, kind of going to those sort of DIY shows and and things, and kind of meeting people through that. So yeah, like we, I'm trying to think of exactly when we met. Like, I was trying to think of this before, like we kind of started recording. And the only thing yeah. that I can remember, like, stands out in memory, is. I helped book uh, a little weekender that Senator and the Long Haul did. Yeah. And you did the Bournemouth date. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say, I think that was it. I can just remember you, like, two-stepping, wearing, like, a varsity jacket, <laughs> like, really nice, yeah. cut, young, like, young man. <laughs> but, like, yeah, because I think you'd put Senator on a few times before and they were like, yo, help, yeah, loves yeah. to do it. Like in terms of really averagely attended show in Bournemouth, yeah, yeah. Who can we get to do it? <laughs> but like yeah. in terms of kind of your own sort of like way into the, like the the Bournemouth scene, like because I, I yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that show was for this World's Hollows first show, maybe. Um, 
Yeah, it might have been. But like, could well have been. Yeah, because I, I remember because you. Well, no, because our first ever show was at um, where was it? The Hobbit in Southampton. We played with some really bad like metal oh okay <laughs> and everyone hated us because i remember you did double duty but, that night because you were still in another band which i can't remember oh was it Ravel wins that was it yeah 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 yes that was that was not a great band <laughs> it was quite fun though <laughs> but like what what, what was kind of i guess like quote unquote your first band when you when you moved to bournemouth what was the the first thing you kind of jumped into there uh yeah that was Ravel wins which was just like me and this this bloke that I knew. So how, how did that um, all come like, about? Um, he was just like, he was like a, a really good bassist and quite narcissistic. So he was like, I want something that will show off how good at bass I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was just a two-piece, like instrumental, just bass and drums with him playing like this weird technical stuff. And then I was like, yeah, I want to be in a band. That sounds fun. I like this guy. Let's, let's play a few shows. Yeah. Play some like really average shows. And I was like, can we stop playing these shit shows, please? And Luke was like, yeah, well, if you don't like the shows, why don't you book your own then? So I did, and that's how I got promoted, <laughs> despite this guy. <laughs> well, that, kind of, yeah. that kind of answers my next question, because I was going to say, like, because we, we were kind of promoting shows around the same time, and there was like... Yeah, yeah. We had There was this kind of weird South Coast corridor of me, you, and Dukes, and, like, Port- yeah, Portsmouth, yeah. Southampton, Bournemouth, and, like... All, yeah. all the like sort of screamo bands kind of would would hit us up sort of thing and if it wasn't yeah one of us it's it adventurous they go down to yeah yeah they'd hit all three sort of thing <laughs> but so, yeah yeah but like had you kind of had a, a sort of a want to do shows before or was it kind of through a necessity that you like did it, it? sort of necessity really it was like i want to go to more gigs that i want to see yeah so i'll just i'll just organize them and then i can put whatever bands i want on and then you know, I can just see whatever band I want. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, little did I know how stressful and expensive it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not really the same as just going to a gig and enjoying it. No. Um, but yeah, first gig I ever put on Dean from um, Witchcott was the only person that came. Oh really? Was it? Was <laughs> yeah. this pre ITD or? No, it was, I think it was whilst he was in Into the Dust. Yeah. Um. Yeah, was, can you remember that band Asbestos from Weymouth? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was just them and like this other weird band from somewhere in like Hampshire just playing in the middle of the day in some really weird like social club thing in a really weird part of Bournemouth. And I was like, why didn't anyone come? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, no, that band Guardians of Love and Honor played as well, I think. Oh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. did you know? So that was, that was the first gig I ever put on. Did you know Dean at the time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that would be, yeah, like, that'd be even weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I knew, I knew Dean from just, like, being in Into the Dust and, like, going to see going to see them a lot at Ibar. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of, like, your kind of getting into sort of promoting and sort of doing stuff further, as I said, we kind of had that weird sort of, like, South Coast corridor and, and like, yeah. it was quite a kind of, in some ways, like, a vibrant scene at the time. But do you kind of have yeah. any particular memories of... Any shows that you like really remember fondly at all? Um, yeah, like quite a few. Like put you know Ravachol on a few times, yeah. and yeah, like which I put Witch Cult's first ever show on. Um, actually, that show was well fun. It was um, Casa were touring, 
uh, with this band called We Came Out Like Tigers. Oh, that, that little band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that little number. And uh, yeah, put Witchcoat, put Witchcoat onto support. And then We Came Out Tigers played. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this band's amazing. I probably should have listened to them before tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, Casa, that was, that was a really fun show. I think um, that was... And then it was just, it was just, yeah, just a chance to like hang out with friends. So like, because like, oh, I'll just put on senator and the long haul and kerouac and i'll get to see all my pals yeah yeah all hang out and drink a couple of beers kind of thing i think that same run was the first time i'd saw tigers as well because i think yeah speaking of the weird south coast corridor i think jukeson put them on in southampton as well almost certainly. yeah and senator ended up supporting so Mm. obviously me being senator road boy when when went along yeah yeah went along and was the same just like just couldn't comprehend what i was witnessing and it was just like yeah yeah and now obviously like three members of that band are like some of like my closest pals kind of thing it's just like yeah yeah it's yeah yeah it's just it's just mad going from seeing them in like ibar to seeing them play like fluff fest and yeah stuff, yeah like, touring all over europe and america it's like oh well, <laughs> you did all right, didn't you? Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Turns out you're a really, really good band and you work really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and just before we kind of go back to the bands thing, like the one other thing I wanted to, this is going to be super niche to just me and right. you, but I don't, I don't care. <laughs> so I've mentioned... What's the point of having a podcast if you can't talk about whatever you exactly. want? Exactly. <laughs> like... As I mentioned, there's me, you and Tom Jukes and were kind of like this thing along the South Coast. I don't know if there was anyone in Brighton, really, but the three of us kind of like always got on, like we always like hung out when we could sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But you created, I guess, an original meme in the Tom Jukes and crutch. Oh, yeah. So, fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> so where the fuck did that come from? Oh, God knows. Um, it was like, you know, the, the, on Tumblr at the time, it was like very popular to have a really niche page. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, insert random things. So I was like, right, anytime I see Tom Jukes, I'll get a photo of his crotch and put it on there. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Tom Jukes' crotch.tumblr.com. <laughs> did, did I tell you that you messaged me like years afterwards asking me to remove it? Yeah, didn't you tell him to fuck off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like um, I think he was like trying to get his first, you know, proper proper job or whatever. He's like, uh, the first thing that comes up when you Google my name is your Tumblr. Please, can you remove it? Yeah. Um, and it was like, it's weirdly enough, it's like when he was training to run a marathon. So I was like, if you complete that marathon, I'll remove the page. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It was just it just came out. I was just like, well, oh, that'd be that'd be a fun thing to do. Just take a photo of his crotch every time yeah. I see him, put it on Tumblr. I just remember the, the a, a simpler time. The reason that I brought it up is just because, like, you know, you get the the Facebook memories thing. Yeah. Like every year, I can't remember what show it was. Like, I think it was a show he was putting on, and I'd I'd got I'd got a photo, and I think I'd messaged you, and I was sort of like, got a little surprise for you. But like, I think it took me like a couple of days to send it to you. So you like messaged me again, on Facebook, and it was like like a proper like formal post, and you were like. Bergbeck, you informed me that you had this blah 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 of Tom Tom, Tom Jukeson's crotch, and I've still yet to receive it. And that's that still comes up every year on my memories, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing. 
<laughs> yeah, very, very niche. Yeah. Like five, five people enjoyed that. I think maybe <laughs> at a push. <laughs> but yeah, then because obviously, like around that time, you were in for this world is hollow. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how did that band come about? Because, like, I obviously met the other guys from that band kind of through you sort of thing and i think yeah yeah i think i met feathers well it would have been at that long haul show i met all of them but i remember like actually meeting feathers at the show just being like the nicest dude that he is sort of thing nicest weirdest guy yeah yeah <laughs> but like how did yeah yeah how did you guys all kind of meet and kind of decide because apart from really maths i hadn't heard a UK band kind of do that sort of style of music at that time so why did you go down that avenue um well I met Feathers first like I met him me him Dean um and then Perry from Senator and um Damo from uh the Divorcee and bands like that we were all meant to start a band together played one I think we played like one gig which I put on because I thought no one will come otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no one's going to put, sorry, no one's going to put us on otherwise. So I played one gig under the title, the Dean Lloyd Robinson Experience. <laughs> nice. Uh, which he hated. He was like, we haven't come up with a name yet. And I just put that on the poster. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we played one gig like that. And then me and Feathers were like, let's just, because we we're both just into Screamo at the time. We we're like, oh shit, someone else in England is into Screamo. What a loser, let's start a band. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, we did, and then he he knew Burkett because he lived in Southampton at the time. Yeah. So they were just hanging out and being reprobates, and yeah, that's how he knew Whitman as well. Like him and Feathers and Whitman have known each other since they were teenagers. Oh, okay. So yeah, he introduced me to all them, and we just like started this band. So he used to practice, you know, once every week or so. Yeah, yeah. He used to travel to Southampton and just hang out with them, and then you know stay the night and you know hang out. But um, yeah, that was it really. Just like oh, we all like this really bad niche genre well Burke was more into like pop punk and stuff at the time but we you know brought him around to it (laughs) saw the error saw the error of his ways yeah 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 he was in what was the band he was in Marwood he was in like a pop punk band called Marwood at the time okay Um, I didn't know that yeah um but yeah we just like just met met them all through that just through feathers really yeah so then brought it all together in terms of like because I guess you guys kind of like did quite a bit of stuff. Like you didn't have a huge kind of recording output, but like you did a couple of tours and obviously the quite a few sort of one-off shows like around yeah. South Coast sort of thing. So like, was that kind of like your first experience of kind of actually going out on tour? Yeah, yeah. Like the first For This World Is Hollow tour was like the first tour I'd ever been on. Yeah. But, um... It was only, you know, it was only like a week around the UK or something. Like, I think that's all we did. We did two like week or ten day long tours just around the UK. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, like like you said, like quite a lot of just one off shows around the South Coast. And that was pretty much it. And like yeah, KD were the first band that I'd really like properly toured with. Yeah. So in terms yeah. of like those kind of, because I know you did one with Vales. Who was the other one with? Yeah, I think they might have both been with. Vales. Oh no, the first one we just did on our own. Okay. And that's that's when we met Vales. Like we played in played a couple of shows in Cornwall. Yeah, and um, met him through that. And then the next one, yeah, just went on tour with them. Yeah, just, literally just in just in our cars. Like we didn't nothing too fancy. Just everyone just jumped in the back of a car. Oh, okay. Or in everyone's gear along the way. Yeah, yeah. But like in terms of kind of like, I don't. 
It might be because like the screamo scene is a bit different to like the hardcore scene and stuff, and it seems a bit more like yeah. it's like it seems as much as hardcore has like the DIY ethos under its umbrella, like scre- yeah. screamo is literally do it all yourself kind of thing. Yeah, because no one else likes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, when you did that first tour, like, I don't know, did you kind of expect that you had to kind of do everything yourself? And was there kind of like, was it a learning curve? <clears throat> um, I think yeah, it was like we didn't think anyone would ever book a tour for us. So it was always like, oh well, we'll just like speak to people we know and see if they know anyone who'll put us on in these cities we want to go to. Yeah. Um. At that time, it was just like, where can we get gigs? And we're just like, we'll go to Cornwall and Manchester and like just basically go to all these random places because we didn't have like the contacts or the friends to like plan at all. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was a learning curve to be like, you know, actually later on, it's like, oh, wait, let's book a tour that makes sense and not just like zigzag around the place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. Maybe like, maybe not necessarily the first one, but either or, like, were there kind of any sort of, shows that you can remember that kind of stand out as like not necessarily being like oh i'm in a touring band but like the you yeah. that you remember being like oh shit this is something i really enjoy doing yeah i mean it was um it was just meeting people and being like oh there are like like-minded people everywhere because yeah. my experience of diy music then was like pretty not limited but just like just people from the south coast that be like i knew loads of people from bournemouth southampton portsmouth yeah yeah Brighton kind of thing but then that like the second tour was like the first time we went further afield and like you know went up to manchester and stuff yeah. and it was like oh wow like there's, there's people into the same sort of thing like all over the country mm. and then you you know just spread out it's like oh it's all over europe oh it's all over the world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah that was like the yeah that was the first time it was like you know meeting meeting like-minded people and speaking to people from similar scenes in different places of the world is like that was when i was like oh this is like an interesting thing to do yeah yeah <laughs> and then there was a couple of weird shows on those tours though. oh yeah <laughs> How... there's this one show we played where was it i think it was the first tour we did no it was the second tour it was the one we did with veils it was somewhere in devon where we weren't supposed to play okay and it was like an all it was like an all bayer thing um and all the other bands playing were about 60. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so the audience reflected that. Like, all the people in the audience were, like, probably, like, a good seven or eight years younger than us. So like, what, all, like... Why were you there, then, if you weren't playing? Well, Vales, Vales were meant to play. Oh, right. <laughs> um, and the, the guy who was putting on was like, well, I'm not going to put that other band on. And then we turned what up like, well, we're here. <laughs> it, was, it was actually quite nice of him. <laughs> but like, he just never heard of us because like, we weren't from Cornwall. Right, um, okay. And then we just turned up and he was like, actually, we've had a band pull out so you can play. So we just like, played to like a bunch of 15-year-olds and it was super weird. Um, and for some reason that day, I think we were in Newquay the day before and we bought loads of temporary tattoos and put them like all over Burkitt. <laughs> so he had like this, like, he had this huge, like, fake, very clearly fake dolphin tattoo on his neck. And this like really young girl came up to us like I think guys with tattoos are really hot and we're like oh fuck this is so weird. oh god <laughs> yeah like oh god what are, what are we doing <laughs> um, but yeah a couple of weird ones I think just you know UK weirdness yeah yeah finest. and then in terms of like before you sort of like got into Katie I think if memory serves me right this was happening 
whilst as well, it was still a thing. But you, yeah. you and Dom decided to start arguably the greatest noise band in the world in, in, <laughs> in, in Ladstorm. Yeah, so, arguably. Well, <laughs> my, my words. Um, but like, for people that don't know, can please give a, a brief oversight of what Ladstorm was. I guess still um, is in some aspects because it never broke up. Yeah, it's more of a it's more of a mindset. Than anything, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I, I guess you'd if you're being kind, you'd say it was like a, a pastiche of lad culture in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, but seen through the eyes of people who have too many distortion pedals. <laughs> um, and it was basically just me and Dom, uh, Dom who plays his worker man noise unit, and who I started Katie with. Um, just basically just making like stupid tape loops of like cats getting onto football pitches and like using vuvuzelas and just doing like bad covers of Vindaloo and stuff <laughs> but just like with as many distortion pedals as we could get yeah yeah on. basically just making like a horrible noise for a bit that yeah like, i mean the, you don't want to overthink it really because <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember who was it bear trap the yeah, play with Bear Trap. Yeah, that, like, I just remember, because obviously a lot of people were the... Because it was at the Dorchester in Southampton. Yeah, I yeah. remember, like, obviously the majority of people in that room were kind of <clears throat> in on what it was, but did... Because I think... <laughs> had you played a show up until that point? I can't remember. Um, I'm not sure. That was, like, I think our first couple of shows were at the Dorchester. Yeah, but I remember, like, yeah. everybody was kind of in it, not knowing what to expect. And, yeah. and Dom just started like running around handing out Vuvuzelas to everyone. <laughs> yeah. And the guys in Bear Trap were just like, what the fuck is going on? Like these like four American yeah. dudes just like, what? And then, but by the end of the set, they were just fully in. And it was just so funny to see like <laughs> these guys that were going on this massive fucking like three month tour across Europe. Like yeah. waving Vuvuzelas around, <laughs> just fucking weird. Yeah, must have been a real low point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was uh, yeah, it's fun. We keep me and Don like we still talk all the time. Like, just keep threatening to do something else with lads. Yeah, but, but like, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Like, it's kind of a, a niche reference, but it was kind of weird that like it was kind of like a running joke that if anybody needed a band, like they turned to Ladstorm sort of thing. But I think you only did like yeah. four shows or something like that one there. Yeah, we didn't we didn't do many. We did we did more than enough. <laughs> it became like we, I think we played one show in Bristol and it was like, oh there are people here we don't know. Yeah yeah. And it became pretty clear that it was, you know, it it was a very niche thing. It was like if you don't know us, like I I don't know if you get that we weren't just twat. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know, hopefully we're not, but yeah, like people just like, what's going on? Why are these guys wearing England shirts and doing a cover of Vindaloo? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, fair, fair criticism. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, did you? <clears throat> it's just come back to my memory now. Did you guys play with pints? Yeah, a couple of times. That was fucking weird. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, we, yeah. It turns out they're cunts. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which which should have been pretty obvious from the get go, really. Because we were like, oh, they're like us. They're like they're doing like a, 
they're doing like a send up of lad culture in the UK. It's like, oh no, they are just they are just crap lads. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember like it was in, oh fuck, what was that venue? It was above like the burrito bar in in Southsea. Yeah. Well, was it called Alvarito? That was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, again, like, everyone who kind of knew you guys were kind of in on it. And yeah, yeah. they were, like, London HC kind of guys, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And then... I can't remember where they were from. And then they played, and I did, they had, like, some, like, kind of, like, mosh crew with them. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember, like, I can't remember, was it Dean? They hit someone. I feel like it was Dean. I think they hit Lizzie, Lizzie from Witchcraft. That was it. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. Just like They're just massively unapologetic. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they are just they are just shit. Yeah, everyone was just like, oh no, you yeah. are a bunch of cunts, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we'd already done a cover of one of their songs on a release by then, and we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably had to change the lyrics to be less homophobic. Yeah. We probably should have like <laughs> clocked that they weren't good people. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. the innocence of you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but then, like around this time, sort of, I guess for this world as hollow was kind of winding down. But then you decided yeah. to become a tour driver. So, like, uh, that was that was a little bit later on. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like I mean. When was it? I was still living in Bournemouth when um, this world as holiday ended, uh, and then we started KD like pretty much straight away after. Yeah. So, and then I think there was like a couple of years of me still living down south before, because I only started driving tours when I moved to Leeds. Oh, okay. I thought you were still doing it when you were in Bournemouth. No, no, um, no, no. Yeah, moved moved to Leeds first. Okay. God, my memory's so bad. Like you, my, <laughs> just like trying to put a timeline of my own life together is pretty tricky. <laughs> <laughs> but like just in but, um, in terms of like the kind of whole tour driving thing like was it just because you'd kind of had that experience and you wanted to do it more or did you kind of see that there yeah, was an opportunity there to sort of not a gap in the market because i think at the time yeah. like jake was like jake dalton was driving veils quite a lot yeah yeah uh Penny from Good Time Boys was obviously doing a lot, and then let yeah. Natalie Porter from Casper and Ravishol. So, yeah, had you yeah. kind of seen what those guys were doing, and were like, "I want a piece of that pie," sort of thing as well? Um, well, I think no, not really. Like, I was, I, I, I was, you know, done my own tours for a bit, just you know, sort of just in a car yeah. or whatever, just like to the UK, um, and then got asked to drive Healing Powers and around the UK. Oh, okay, and I was like. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, this is really fun, like a slightly longer tour in a van with bands that people want to actually come and see. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did that. And then, like, probably, yeah, like a few months after that, I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll just buy a van. Yeah, yeah, um, And just, yeah, do some, start doing some tours here and there. Because I was still, like, just working in a pub at the time. Mm. Like, luckily, the guy who ran it was just, like, really sound about me taking really unreasonable amounts of time <laughs> off work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just started started driving mates bands to start with and then just like it's, it's all just word of mouth yeah like, yeah oh, this guy's driving tours and you know he's not a moron so <laughs> yeah to drive you and yeah sort of built it up to the point where i was doing that full time yeah yeah i think porter and jake were doing it yeah they started like about the same time as i did yeah um but yeah that was it i was just like i can do this full time and i don't have to have a real job or any real responsibilities like i can just 
yeah, just just basically travel Europe. Yeah. Spend all my time with like-minded people in the back of a van, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So. <clears throat> and like, was doing that? Was that the first time that you'd gone over to Europe, like on tour? Um, it was the first time I've been on tour. Like, I'd done a couple of things where we'd sort of driven to, you know, we go to a Crimea River Festival every year. Yeah, like, yeah. Burkett and a couple of others. Um, so I'd done things where we'd, you know, done driven there before and sort of stopped off on the way to see people but never done like a proper you know euro tour yeah. before then so yeah first euro tour i did was with um a band called world weary oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 so that was the first time i was like oh there's squats everywhere in europe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> least, uh, i thought it was just unusual to the places i've seen it turns out they're everywhere yeah yeah um yeah like just after that i was like giving just giving priority to euro tours because i just want to travel and like see new places and meet interesting people in interesting you know autonomous spaces all across europe i was like why would i i don't want to stick and stick to the uk when i could go see that kind of thing yeah yeah and because like obviously i've kind of had that experience as as well of of like seeing the kind of difference of things so like maybe not necessarily on that first tour but like maybe the more you kind of went back like did you kind Mm. of start to notice like a, a difference in how things were, were run in, in Europe and, and things like that. Cause like, yeah, I think every band kind of talks about it. It's like how sort of well you're looked after in, in Europe. And e- yeah, even yeah. if it is like the shittiest DIY kind of tour, like they're still mm. going to look at, like treat you like you're the best people in the world and things like that sort of thing. So did you kind of yeah. notice that straight off the bat? Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's, it's, I have noticed it more like in recent years in the UK. I don't know if it's just because like of the people that I know now or like, but yeah, it's just like in Europe, it's standard. Like you will, you will get somewhere to stay, you'll get food and you'll get some petrol money. Whereas in the UK, it's like, you'll be lucky if you get any one of those. (laughs) (laughs) You have to like scrabble to find some random place to stay. After like, you know, just eat hummus and pita bread every day. (laughs) It's like, you can't afford to buy a proper meal and no one's making you any. It's, it's like it's such a simple thing to do and i think the more people go tour europe like it is it's you know like oh anytime i put a band on i'll make sure they've got somewhere to stay yeah, I'll yeah. Make sure they've got some food and then i'll give them some petrol money it's like yeah it's like being fed a hot meal makes such oh a yeah yeah like yeah being on tour it's like i'm so miserable from eating pita bread and hummus and i'm gonna get scurvy sometimes <laughs> even if I'm not yeah whereas you know you guarantee like a hot meal a day it makes such a difference yeah I- I totally agree and I think like I think I might have spoken about this before but before lockdown the last tour that I did was out with Ithaca and they were with oh okay um, yeah, yeah they played with Big Thief who were like <clears throat> excuse me they're like a quite an, a big like indie folk band so mm. it's kind of a weird juxtaposition to have those two like play together but they were yeah. they were playing like 1,000, 2,000 cat venues each night, which was right. fucking mental. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, like, that, inte- like, that entail meant, like, the catering was, like, that next level up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the weirdly, the last show, because we were in Copenhagen, and then basically coronavirus happened, and the rest of the tour got, right. got cancelled. But the, oh, the venue we were in had an in-house chef which is something i'd never seen before i was just sort of yeah, like yeah. Oh, okay cool um 
and he was just sort of like, yeah, just like let me know when the guys want to eat and whatever. I was like, yeah, sound. I was like, there's a couple of us that are vegan. He was like, oh, okay, well, like I've kind of get this set meal, but like when the vegans want to eat, like let me know. <clears throat> so I was yeah. sort of like, well, the guys will eat separately from me because I've got to do all the merch and stuff. So is it cool if I have mine later? He's like, yeah, yeah, sick. So I kind of went out to him and was like, oh, do you mind just like boshing me off? So, like thinking it's going to be like, I don't know, just like a hot, as you say, like a hot meal sort of thing. And like classic punk slot. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Chopped tomatoes with some vegetables. Yeah. It? He ends up like, yeah, the, yeah. like he gives me this plate and it is pure green. Like it's just like, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like asparagus, kale, like just yeah, loads yeah. of stuff. But just like the way he cooked it and seasoned it. I just put like a mouthful in. I was like, this is not tour food. This is like a gourmet <laughs> yeah. meal. It was yeah, f- this is what human beings Yeah, are. yeah. It <laughs> was just horrible punks. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. fucking gnarly. But... Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, like I did, you know, I've done a few tours with like bigger bands, you know, like Rolo Tomasi or something or um band from Candle called Delilah or like toured with Crack Cloud as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were like bigger bands on labels. So like they play bigger venues and yeah, it's like, oh, they've got, they've, paid someone to cook this food it's not just someone's mate who's got a big pot it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like in the uk it's like you are lucky to get pit bread and hummus yeah yeah and then in europe it's like you you get you know whatever anyone can cook in a big pot for 20 people yeah and it's like oh yeah that's great and then it's like you are fed a restaurant quality meal it's like okay now nah, you've taken it too far this is like <laughs> i don't i don't deserve this <laughs> yeah it's, yeah like what you've kind of got me on a food run now but there's like one other thing that like <laughs> i remember um the first like punch on tour i did we were in spain and mm. we uh we were playing this place in malaga and it was like a diy space it was literally like a lockup in the middle of an industrial state like not yeah. much to it we get in load in and whatever and the promoter goes oh yeah like food will be at this time whatever and we're like okay cool and then like loads of people turn up and there's still like no food and we were like not being like arsy i was just sort of like oh it's like the show happening now and we haven't eaten sort of thing and then ne- yeah, next yeah. thing i know like they've bought out like as you say it's proper punk but like like massive fucking pans of like pasta yeah yeah and they're like oh yeah help yourself like we're all gonna sit down and eat together like oh like you don't want us just to like hide away in the corner and like be out of your way it's like no 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 like we want you to feel like welcome so like everyone like ate together and then everyone was paying for the show then left kind of like socialized for a bit and then came back for the show it was just Right. It was really weird, but really cool at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. some countries just like a totally different culture, isn't it? Like, whenever we've been to Italy, it's like everyone will just sit down and have a meal and drink a beer, and then in a few hours' time, the gig might start. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, they like, make, they like to make an evening of it, yeah, yeah. rather than just everyone turns up the minute before the first band or the band their friends in plays. Yeah, yeah. Sticks around till, till you know, the last band finishes playing and then goes home. Yeah. It's like... Oh, these people have been here for hours. Yeah, like, yeah. Turn up to a gig in Italy. You know, you get there at four p.m. and there's already loads of people hanging out. And it's like, oh, this isn't how we do it at home. I guess because it's nice weather and you want to hang out. Yeah, true. Rather than hang outside outside of a crap pub in England yeah. somewhere. Get goth shouted at you by some guy walking yeah. past. <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah. 
And then, <laughs> so so in terms of kind of like, I guess so memorable tours. Like, was is there kind of like I'll give you one and the other. So is there like one tour that you can remember like really fondly being like just incredible all the way through? And like on the flip of that, have you had kind of any disaster tours? Um, I don't know. Like all the all the longer tours I've done with my own band, like stand out as like the really memorable ones because you feel like more directly involved. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's great going on tour with other people's bands and you know meeting people. It's always like, oh shit, I want to I want to play now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like getting to do that as well, like getting to travel around for you know a month or whatever and play every night is like amazing. And like I think yeah, the first longer KD tour we did. Like we just actually the first time we went to Europe, we did like a month around Europe with Amygdala. Oh yeah, Texas. yeah. And it was like, this is amazing. Like especially going for that long, it's like you get to such like far flung places. Like went all the way down to Spain and then across like all the way to like, uh, like the Czech Republic and stuff and Slovenia and Croatia and stuff. Yeah, like, that was amazing because like you can see so many places on the same tour and every show is different. But yeah, every show is like memorable. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. But yeah, that was amazing. And then, yeah, just tours like the first Komarov tour we did, we did with Lugubrious Children. It was just like just like a bunch of friends hanging out in a van for two weeks and getting to go to all these amazing places and see these like incredible squats and like DIY venues. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I haven't really done... Actually, I've done a couple of stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing that was like, this is horrible. But yeah, just like with, with bands that... Actually, fuck it, I'll name them. Crack Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Since I found out that one of them's like a piece of shit afterwards. Um, yeah, like, uh, just like touring with them, it's like, they, I don't know, they sort of, if you go on tour with a band that think that they deserve everything that's coming to them, and it's like, you've put out one record and people liked it, congratulations. Yeah, like, yeah. You're not the most hardworking band of all time. Like, you haven't, I'm not going to say they haven't earned their success, but it's like, they they got their success very quickly, so they felt like quite entitled. I felt right, um, and the fact that I think just like the nature of the people in that band, they're all really insular. Mm. So it'd be luckily like the first tour I did with them, I was like really good friends with their tour manager, like I've known her for years. Right. So we we would it was it was us two hanging out, and then the rest of them hanging out. So like it was a nine seat van, so three seats up front, six seats in back. And there are seven of them, and all seven of them sat in the back. One of them just not on a seat because they just want to be together and not speak to us. <laughs> so that was kind of weird, but it was also cool because I got to go to some places that wouldn't have gone otherwise. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, nothing like too disastrous. Even like every once in a while, if you have a really shit ancient transit, it does break down and cost you loads of money in the middle of some strange city. Yeah, yeah. So like even uh, first comer off tour, my van broke down in the middle of Vienna. And it cost me like a thousand pounds. Oh shit! But even though it's like, oh cool, we get to hang out in Vienna for another day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. And then it's like, even if you're having a great time on tour, it's like doing it full time. It's you know you don't just not have bad days because you're on tour. Like you can just I don't know miss home or just be having a shit day for whatever reason. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, never had any like really disastrous tours. Yeah. And then if we kind of move on to, to Katie, like, <clears throat> cause obviously, as you said, that was kind of formed off the back of, of yeah. coming to an end. And like, there's been sort of different iterations of, of members and stuff. But I remember like the kind of 
core when you first started was in some essence it was kind of for this world as hollow mark ii sort of thing yeah so well actually yeah the last the last tour we did this for this world as hollow was the exact same lineup as kd yeah <laughs> yeah for a long time so but like yeah yeah i don't know like did you guys kind of have stuff already in the bag for for this world as hollow and that just carried over to kd or did you want it to be completely different um well when it started it was just me and dom um so it's just a two-piece, and he wasn't in for this world as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was it was quite different to start with. It was more like I don't know, like kind of almost black metal-y yeah, to an extent. But um, and then yeah, like afterwards, like there was a period where Ben was writing most of the music, which he still does, and it was like he was still as much as I like that early stuff. It's like he was struggling to find like because he was really he was like eighteen. Yeah, then. yeah. We started playing music together. He was really young, so like I think he, to an extent, hadn't like fully found what he was trying to do yet. So like the earliest stuff, I think, was kind of, yeah, not so much his own style. Whereas now, like he's writing stuff that like only he could write, kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, he's like yeah, coming to like, I don't want to say something really cheesy. Like he's found his voice. <laughs> <or something like that. laughs> but yeah, I think. Whereas before he was trying to emulate certain things, like he was trying to sound like maths or, you know, whatever bands he likes. It's now he's like trying to do his own particular thing. Yeah. Which I think you can tell. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like in terms of like this could just be like my perception of things, but like in ter- like you've done like European tours and stuff, but you haven't done too much UK wise apart from like the odd show. So is that yeah. is that just kind of like circumstances like have haven't kind of lent them to a uk tour or have you kind of found that because europe has a better scene for it that you may as well Mm. just focus on that kind of thing i think it's because yeah i think booking a uk tour for a screamer band is weirdly harder like there's a few cities you can play in and it's you know you just play into your mates which is nice it's like that's fun but like to it's like screamo has there is a bigger screamo scene on the mainland yeah yeah and like people are more interested in just seeing diy music period it's not like here where it's like oh i only go see hardcore bands or i only go see this kind of band or whatever yeah yeah over there like well it depends where you are but like certain cities have like really strong screamo scenes and then certain cities people just go to any diy show because they want to go to a diy show kind of thing yeah but a lot of it as well is like now that we're all adults we have responsibilities and we can't just like, well, that doesn't really apply to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, they can only take so many days off a year. So like, why would they, you know, make it to a holiday basically? Like if you can go on tour and also go to Italy or like France or Spain or Poland or wherever, like to me, that's more interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. It's something that you've not experienced before. And it's, yeah. For me, that's that's why I, I prefer to tour Europe. Is like, you know, experiencing new things and meeting new people and seeing different scenes like all across the continent. Yeah. Whereas the UK, you know, I know a lot of people in the UK scene. It's always nice to see friends, but it's like, you know what you're getting. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's I mean? it's very much as you say, like those kind of like very small pockets in in the UK. Mm. Whereas, like as you say, in Europe. You could play, I don't know, middle of nowhere Germany, and you're still going to get like a 
a decent turnout of people that maybe not necessarily yeah, yeah. know your band but just want to hear like live punk diy music yeah definitely yeah 100 percent. and then in terms of kind of like i don't want to kind of go into the whole sort of lineup changes and stuff but obviously you kind of went through various members till to get to where you are now and then obviously yeah yeah you like well at the time like you and ben were obviously up in leeds Burkitt, yeah, yeah. Burkitt's in Maidenhead, Whitman's in London, and London. Dom yeah, yeah. was in Reading. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I know, obviously, like... There's a point where Sandwich was in Bristol as well, so it's like, oh, not one of us lives in the same yeah. city. So, like, <laughs> in terms of that... Which, as of next week, will be the case again, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of that, like, not necessarily, like, the working out of logistics stuff, because, obviously, you managed hmm. to make it work... And I guess this is kind of leading up to the period when Whitman kind of left. But, like, was there kind of, like, a period of time when you guys were kind of like, you know what, we should maybe knock this on the head? Or has it always been a band that you've kind of approached, like, we'll do it when we get the time kind of thing? Um, To be honest, like, after... We did, like, the Amygdala tour around Europe for a month, which was, like, the four of us. And after that, I think all of us were, like a bit worn out and we're like okay we need to maybe not be so so busy for a bit mm. um so we're all like just winding down a bit and then yeah we, we, you know we never thought oh well this is this is going to end but like we're just like oh maybe we shouldn't do so much and then i think after we've taken a bit of a break you know of not wanting to be around each other so much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like practice as much or whatever we're just like oh shit actually yeah let's crack on yeah um and I think as as well, like at the time, because I was touring a lot um, and I'd had the contacts and stuff, I was the one that was like really driven to be like, oh, let's go on tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there was a point where I was like, I wanted to do more stuff than anyone else did. Yeah. Uh, that sounds very familiar. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was a point where I was like, I'm a bit fed up of no one wanted to do as much stuff. I'm like going to take a back seat. Yeah, um, and let other people do the planning because I'm getting a bit worn out with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like after that, everyone just like we're like, okay, let's let's work more together and make it work, kind of thing. Yeah. And then but yeah, well, as as we stand now, like everyone, everyone's like keen to like obviously circumstances at the minute aren't particularly helpful. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, getting a band practicing regularly or anything. Yeah. But yeah, I think we're all like quite motivated to we've all got our own stuff on at the minute, like Ben's trained to be a teacher, so he's like starting a placement as a teacher and then we've all got different things going, so we're not able to practice all the time anyway, so it works well for us. Yeah, yeah. Just being able to be like, Okay, well we'll dedicate a weekend or like a long weekend to just getting in the same room and making some music as opposed to once a week we'll practice for two hours kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess kind of like we've kind of mentioned sort of like various lineup changes slightly and I don't want to do a disservice to to Dom in any shape or form but obviously the big change was introducing Polly like once once Whitman left so like to me she is someone that has just came out of nowhere into my life and I'm like now like yeah, I can't yeah. I can't live without this person in my life. <laughs> but like how did you how did you guys kind of meet them and like how did they end up 
becoming part of the band because I, as I say, I just remember, I, well, it was a year ago at Dreadfest when I met them for the first time. Yeah. I was sort of like, oh, there's this person. Oh, you're in Katie. That's cool. And now, like, we're sick pals. But, like, how did you, like, did you know, like, um, did she just appear? <laughs> yeah, well, Polly, Polly used to uh, live in Bournemouth as well. So, oh, shit, I um, didn't know that. Yeah, like, years ago. Like, we, we didn't know each other particularly well back then. But um, just sort of, you know, we're on each other's radar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just she started putting shows on in Brighton, so uh, we'd we'd you know bump into each other at shows occasionally, and then she put on um, Komarov and Astraka on our when we you know toured together. Yeah, and we just started talking a lot then. Uh, and then like not too long after that, she moved to Leeds. Um, so you've just just like been hanging out since. Yeah. <laughs> but like how did she yeah, so, end up coming like becoming part of the band um well she was living in leeds and like was i think she was just feeling frustrated because she had like this need for a creative output and hadn't really found it yeah um and we were all pals you know we'd like hang out um and then after whitman left we were just, we were just going to carry on as a three-piece and then polly was like oh i've noticed like you don't have a vocalist can i have a go and we're like sure what's the harm get along to a practice and like see see what the deal is and then we're just like i think not, we weren't skeptical but we're like well we'll see how it goes you know yeah, i haven't yeah. sold them anything yet because obviously she she's not been in a band before yeah like Katie's her first ever band um and i'm like yeah i'll just see what happens see how it goes uh and then she came along and was just like super enthusiastic and like had all these ideas and we're like oh fuck yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah like just like sort of gave the band like a bit of a kickstart just like I don't know just gave it like a bit more energy and like a new lease of life kind of thing. yeah and I think like on that obviously the the EP that you guys released fuck was it last year uh I guess so yeah Mate, time is just fucking yeah yeah thing. time doesn't really exist yeah anymore, yeah does it? it's all just yeah but yeah off... who knows could have been 10 years ago <laughs> <laughs> but like obviously off the back of that like I like within I guess the kind of like screamo community like a lot of people know you anyway like mm. specifically like here in the UK but like obviously you've got friends in the states and and stuff so like yeah people do like are aware of of your band but that EP I don't know like seemed to kind of put you guys on a lot more people's radar like even more so in the screamo scene sort of thing yeah so did you kind of feel that like from the inside that people were like not be like oh where the fuck have this band been all the time but like mm. were kind of finally paying attention if that makes sense um i think to an extent yeah it's like we've noticed um like the, the tour we did last year with coma regalia was the first european tour we did with uh, with polly yeah and like we were going to places and meeting people and people had actually heard the EP and were like excited to see us because of it. Whereas before it was always like, oh, we're just sort of tagging along with another band. Or, like, <laughs> yeah. like people were always excited to see the band we were with kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, people have heard us. I'm not really sure why that is. I think just like, I think Polly does bring a new element to it. It's like, I don't know, maybe that bit more powerful to an extent. And I think just because the, the message is like a lot clearer now yeah whereas we're, we're, i think we spoke about this like that interview we did with um an insight um but yeah like chris's lyric style was like really esoteric and like 
he was, you know, I liked his lyrics a lot, but they were just were, you know, all, yeah, like a little harder to grasp, whereas Pop yeah. was really direct with their writing style. Yeah. I think people have latched onto that a lot. Like, they're like, they can understand what's being said, like, a lot more clearly, because it's, yeah, it's a lot more direct. So I think people are responding to that, and I think the, the songwriting as well has got, like, Ben's, like, come into his own. Yeah, since, yeah. Since we started writing that EP. And, like, yeah, we're writing new stuff now, which I think is, like, not that I think the older stuff was worse. It's just like now it's like a bit more direct. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a bit more refined sort of thing. Yeah, that's yeah. That's probably a way, yeah. a good way of putting it. And then, yeah. in terms of like, I'm not going to go list off every single band you've been in because I can't even remember. But like, <laughs> the, I guess the kind of other one of note that you've kind of brought up a couple of times is Komarov that's sort of still yeah. active and, and things like that. And like, well... Well, well, in in, in part, but like <laughs> yeah. for for my for my sins, I still haven't seen you guys yet. But like, it's I think we've played like two UK yeah. shows ever, so like I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, in terms of like musically, like it's still kind of in that kind of screamo world, but a bit yeah, more yeah. on the kind of like I guess heavier scale of of things and stuff. So like. Yeah. In terms of for for you, sort of like playing in the two different bands, like how do you kind of like switch up your drumming style and like what what you kind of want to bring to both bands? Um, I think Komarov like is it's a lot more straightforward in a way. It's like definitely more like metal influenced yeah. than KD, whereas KD is like kind of quite chop and changey. Like Komarov is to an extent that's all like ninety percent blast beats or DBs. Yeah. <laughs> so. <it's, laughs> Yeah, it's like, um, whereas KD's maybe a bit more, I don't know, I'm going to sound pretentious, because like maybe a bit more nuanced, like a bit more, you know, stop-starty. Yeah, yeah. Like change, change it up more frequently. Whereas Komarov is like, basically, we'll take a Battle of Wolf riff, we'll take a couple of notes out, put a couple in, see how close we can get to ripping it off without <laughs> being totally away what we've done, and then we'll just put that out. Though you've now given away what you do, so... Oh, we're very honest about it, <laughs> honest and open. Like we'll, we'll be writing riffs of like, no, that is literally just a battle of Wolf Five Nine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to change that very slightly. And just in terms of like, it might just be like the contacts like that you and like various other members of of the bands have kind of built up over the years. But like, when you've kind of gone over to to Europe specifically, like you've mentioned, like you did the. Amygdala tour, you did Coma Regalia, yeah. you've done a Stracker, all of these kind of like staple names in US Screamo scene sort of thing. Yeah. So like, I don't know, how has it been sort of like touring with them, kind of getting that perspective and like, how has that like friendship sort of developed? Because I don't like, I don't know, my only experience of like touring with like US bands is like when an agent has sort of been like, oh, mm. like we'd like your band to support X band on tour sort of thing. So like, is it like just a mutual sort of respect that you kind of want to play together? And like, as I say, building those contacts through the years that, because like everyone always has that like mentality of like, Oh yeah, our band should tour together, but it never actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a lot of it is um, we're quite lucky because we do have like the contacts now. So it's like, we could be like, oh, we really want to tour with this band and we know they want to tour Europe. We'll make it really easy for them. Like, we'll basically say, if you get in the van with us, we'll book it all and it'll all be sorted and all the shows will be fun. Yeah. So 
it's like you can either tour with a band that you've heard of before or this band that's going to make it really easy for you <laughs> so um i think yeah I, to be honest i've no idea how that comrade of Stracker tour happened because we had literally played like three or four shows ever yeah and, like put out one ep that no one had heard but Alan, who was playing bass for Cobra at the time, was like the king blagger. He, he will like <laughs> anything, anything he wants, he will get because he's just so good at talking to people. For whatever Is this reason. Cavalcades, Alan? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So like, he's he's now like on well on his way to having like a really good fine art career because he's like just Mister Blag. Yeah. Like anything that he wants <laughs> or needs, he can just get it somehow. <laughs> And it was like, I want to go on a month-long tour of Europe with a Stracker. And then, like, a few weeks later, it's like, okay, I've booked a month-long tour of Europe with a Stracker. So, yeah, just, it's, it's, it's all about just, like, it is, like, meeting people and making the contacts. And then, you know, basically, if you know someone in a part of Germany, we'll put you on. They'll know someone who can put you on in another city. Yeah, yeah. It sort of goes from there. I think that's just how DIY music works though isn't it it's like you meet people and then they tell their friends that you're all right <laughs> yeah and then yeah that's more or less how it goes and like in terms of I guess the the varying di- difference at all like as I say they're kind of in the same musical realm but slightly different but did you kind of personally find any difference in kind of I guess if if we take two specific tours so say the yeah. Coma Regalia tour that you did with Katie to the Astraka tour that you yeah. did with Comrov, was that, did you see any specific differences or were they quite similar? Um, I think they were pretty similar in like a lot of ways. It was just like, I think they've got their own community over there because they all, because Sean from Middleman um, knows everybody. Yeah, yeah. They've been playing in bands for like decades and any band that tours the US will play their basement basically. Right, or, okay. Know, historically. So like they they put on Seisha in their basement. Oh, and, sick! Yeah, Ostraka and Soul Glow and all these bands. So like, yeah, I'm trying to think who like the UK equivalent would be of Sean Decker, but um, I don't know if there is one. But no. yeah, like they are the most well connected person in US screamo, I think. Um, the only, so they see the only thing they, I can think they, of. Sorry, just to to like UK equivalent, but he doesn't even do hmm. shows anymore. But is Rory. Uh, yeah, maybe. Is he only, he's the only yeah, one that can yeah. that springs to mind. Yeah, I, yeah. Just I don't think there is that figure in the. No. Nah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so they they know all the people from a Stracker and they know all the people from Amygdala because they've played their cellar mm. and like, John's put their record out. So like, yeah, it's it's amazing touring with Sean actually because like, and Jason as well because Jason's been playing in DIY bands in the US for a long time as well. But just like. Any any band that you mentioned, they'll have a story about, and they'll know them personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty wild. That's cool. Um, but yeah, like they like both those bands, Coma Regalia and Astraka, were just like super chilled out. Yeah. Like didn't really get stressed about much. You know, didn't mind spending all day in a piping hot van with a bunch of idiots. <laughs> so what more could you ask for, really? Exactly. <laughs> and. Just to kind of bring things back to to you specifically, like I'm gonna sort of stroke your ego a little bit here, but obviously where like we've known each other for for years, like seeing how your like drumming has kind of improved and and developed over the years, like mm. I think now you've kind of got the the art of the blast down to a T sort of thing. So yeah. so like. I don't know, like how have you kind of like? Do you feel you've developed your your drumming? Like, is it just 
practice makes perfect or is it, have you kind of like changed how you play over the years like how's that kind of come about um i think yeah it's a, it's a bit of both it's like it is just like just doing blast beats all the time yeah yeah actually quite good at blast beats um i don't think i'm even that good but like <laughs> that's like <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah practicing and i think to an extent finding just because i've been playing in the same bands for so long it's like i've sort of got my own style now yeah yeah before i was you know trying to emulate someone or you know trying to sound like a, a drummer from a different band whereas now i'm like i think just playing with the same people for long enough it's like you all get to know how the other one plays a bit better so yeah sort of playing more to what ben's playing than oh shit my friend's about to run out of battery um <laughs> been playing to more like what Ben's been playing than trying to think oh what would this drummer from this other band do here kind of thing yeah yeah and then before I kind of like round things up just in terms of like because I know Komarov were obviously meant to be doing Mr. Stars Katie were meant yeah, to be yeah. doing Crimea River so like yeah like and I think like Komarov had like other shows but around Mr. Stars as well didn't they yeah, yeah, we're meant to be touring with um, Plague Walker, which is Sean from Coma Regalia's other band. Right. Well, one, one of them. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But, like, have discussions, not necessarily, like, about touring, but, like, within both bands, mm. have you kind of started talks about, like, getting back in practice rooms? Have you maybe talked about rescheduling tours? Like, have those conversations been had yet? Um, yeah, sort of vaguely. I think the, the problem is everything's still so up in the air, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah. No one has, you know, obviously no one to bang on about COVID all the time because <laughs> everyone's sick to death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like everything's just so up in the air. It's kind of pointless planning because you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. I like was sort of vaguely planning <clears throat> a, uh, the way Komarov works is we're all really busy and we all live hundreds and hundreds of miles apart. Yeah. So it's like, what are you doing at the end of August? Oh yeah, I think I could potentially be in the same room as you. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we're, we're sort of vaguely planning on getting in the same room to work on some new stuff then. But who knows if that will happen? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's, you know, obviously all the tours that we had planned this year, like, yeah, like Comrade were meant to be touring, um, meant to be put, KD were meant to be playing Mr. Stars and uh, Crimea River. And it's like, oh, well, I guess we'll have to wait till next year to do that. So it's sort of like all the plans we have for next year have been, put on ice as well yeah yeah like, were you know on paper meant to be going to the u.s to tour with coma regalia and it's like oh shit well maybe we should catch up on the tours we had planned for this year before we yeah yeah do that so it's all just obviously like i can't really complain like i've got it pretty easy through covid yeah so far and lockdown i don't really have much to complain about but it's just like i'm sure lots of people everywhere just like finding frustration with the plans they had just falling through and having no idea of when things are going to be, you know, norm, quite, quite normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Safe enough to get back to doing the things that they care about. But, yeah, just have to wait and see. Yeah. And you mentioned, like, they're going to the States and stuff. And I think, like... Yeah. I remember when I was doing the, the last Punch on Tour with Avero and yeah. Brendan was... I can't remember if it was with yourself or if it was Polly, but he was very much, like chewing your ear off about like trying to get you guys to the states sort of thing so oh yeah yeah so has has that been something i can't believe you've made such a good impression on them like we're all so badly behaved <laughs> like, 
don't understand why they want to speak to us ever again. <laughs> Katie, badly behaved. What are you talking about? <laughs> Unheard of. But like, yeah, has that kind of been something that that's been on the cards for for a long time? Because I think like you guys yeah. would fit the states perfectly, sort of thing. So is it? Yeah, yeah. It's always been a maybe a, an unattainable goal up until this time in history, sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's always been like something that's vaguely been on the radar of could potentially happen at some point. Mm. And it's always something I'd wanted to do because it's like, like I said, like the reason I really enjoy touring and like being in a DIY band is seeing how other people do DIY music and seeing like the communities they built in different parts of the world. So like, it'd be a total dream to be able to, cause I've never been to the US on tour. Like I'd love to go there and just see what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. From, you know, the other way. Cause we've had all these US bands coming over here and seeing like what European tours like. It's like I'd love to do it the other way around. Yeah, and see yeah. What you know, see what that is all about. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's we've been talking about it sort of semi semi seriously for a couple of years, and then it was like, oh shit, it might actually happen <laughs> now. This. Yeah. <laughs> so just have to wait and see. No, that's like it's the same. Like to, to tour the states is very much like a bucket list thing, like for me, and like yeah, it's yeah. a similar thing, like. But like obviously, like having done the Avero tour, like they were super kind to me, and they've been like, "Yeah, yo, yeah. come over here if you get the chance." And like, I'm not gonna say it because I don't want to like completely jinx it. But there's another band that I've been working with that are potentially well, they were go- definitely looking to go there this summer, but that's obviously now fallen through. But yeah, like, yeah. we're talking about going there sort of like the start of next year and taking me out as their driver and I was sort of like oh amazing I was sort of like oh mate that'd be so sick but like at the same yeah, time yeah. like where if like speaking and t- like talking to touring American bands they say about like how like we complain about like a five like hour drive through Germany and that's like yeah not even getting to a state of state border sort of thing so yeah yeah Oh god, yeah. When um, when Katie toured with Amygdala, like they're from Texas as well, so like I think they're more used to touring the West Coast. I think the East Coast is a little more like Europe, where it is you know five or six hours between cities. As yeah, yeah. To Twenty hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like for, for whatever reason, they booked the European tour, and no one seemed to tell them that they didn't need to drive for that long every day to play a show. Oh, uh, okay. Like it was a, it was a month long tour, but we're still doing like. 20 hour drives and stuff it's like how have you even managed this (laughs) so there'd be like a couple of times where yeah like we played zaragoza which is in spain and then the next day we played turin in italy so it's like finish playing the show put all the gear in the van and start yeah yeah (laughs) so i think that part of it doesn't sound too appealing yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's fair yeah it sounds like a pretty different experience over there yeah Cool. Lars, how I usually like to, to end this is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. And because you've right. got two bands, you get two bites of the cherry. So oh, God. so what's your favourite KD song you like to play live? And what's your favourite Komarov song you like to play live and why? Oh, I don't even know what the names of our songs are. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a running joke in KD, but like, I like I write a set list and it's all just like how the song starts rather than the actual name of it. Okay. Um, I don't know. There's like a Komarov song which is the it's like the the third one off the second EP, which I think is called Zero, which is fun because it's like just a lot of blast beats and then like a really heavy bit. Yeah. It's like anything with like a super heavy bit is fun to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's shit. 
Oh yeah, maybe the second song off the uh, KDEP. Okay. Uh, the, the most re- oh man, I should really know the names of my. It's cool. I'll I'll, lo- I'll look them up and I'll put it in in, in my in my intro. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm glad, glad someone knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, dude, best of luck with the the London move and everything. Hope, Cheers. Hope it's not too stressful. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll get to see a bit more of each other. If I'm not. Yeah, man. If yeah, me. exactly. If, you, if you're in London, then obviously it's I not too far from I go to it. shows there as well when shows happen. Then, yeah. So if and when. Yeah. Then we'll definitely hang out soon. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well. Yeah. Stay. Stay safe. Yeah. Stay sane. Stay alert. As, Look after yourself. As Boris says the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Cheers for doing this, man. Yeah. No worries. Nice talking to you, Tim. Cool. Take it easy. See ya. So there we have it, folks. Again, a massive thank you to Loz for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Uh, As always, there'll be links to both Katie and Komarov's social media platforms uh, in the description notes of this episode. If anyone wants to have a further in-depth read about the history of Katie, where that band's come from, and a bit more about what they stand for, they are the cover feature artist in the latest issue of An Insight magazine. Uh, there's only a handful of copies left, so grab one whilst you still can. Uh, I will put a link to the store again in the description notes of this episode. Um, but yeah, that is it for another week. Got a couple of awesome, awesome guests lined up in the coming weeks, so keep an eye out on those. Um, but yeah, whether this is the first time you're listening whether or it's the 158th time you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. Um, But for now, thank you for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast and I will see you soon.